This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Flat Out Farno, you're Laddie H, host of Flat Out Pride on your Free FM dial. If you're a Waikato local with an idea for your own show, Free FM would love to hear from you. Check out our website, freefm.org.nz, or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. Mixed up week, but great results over the weekend at the various congresses. Yeah, lots of players, and you had a big night out on Sunday night? I did, Barry. Ended up going to Sky City Theatre to watch the doco Dirty Tricks. Ah, and many people there? Yeah. It was pretty good numbers. I met a, quite a few people from the Mount Albert Bridge Club. There was a couple of people that I recognised. But our little team of five, we trickled along. It was great. This was the free tickets we gave away for the, yeah. for the best poem? Yeah, that, all good. We're going to listen to those poems because I did get some feedback. They didn't know who the winners were and which poems were which, so we're going to play those and we'll let you know which poems belong to who. Hey, have a listen to this. Hi, you're with Mariana and I'm at the Sky City Theatre and I've got two lovely ladies who have been fortunate enough to win two tickets from the Bridge Zone to come and see Dirty Tricks documentary and I have with me... Elva Souter of Mount Albert. And... Mary Goldson of Mount Albert. It's a very interesting documentary. Do you think he's hot? Because one of the girls thought he was very hot. Oh, have well, you I haven't seen, seen it yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy the documentary. And people yeah. have come up to, from Hamilton to see it. That's right, oh, yes. Well, how lovely. Well, yeah. okay. well, thank you very, very much, Mary. Yes, no problem whatsoever. Bye-bye. thing to happen. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous. And Mary is 90 years old. She's been playing bridge for ages, so it was super nice to be able to give her a spontaneous gift on behalf of the Bridge Zone and the Hamilton Bridge Club. But I'll tell you what, Barry, you know how you had thoughts that he might be deemed as a hero, this Lotum Fisher? Yeah, I was a bit worried about that. Nah, got no worries there. Good. No worries whatsoever. In fact, he's still bloody dodgy. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what the next question's going to be, don't you? What's that? Was he hot? Well, <laughs> that has to be a typical Kiwi year now. <laughs> okay. You know, if you're into the Sasquatch type, that's a definite year. So Mariana was watching Dirty Tricks, the new movie out about Lotan Fisher, the bridge player. Now, well, what did you think of the movie anyway? I thought the movie was interesting and I think you really have to be a bridgie to understand. It was interesting because the category that it was being viewed under was crime and conspiracy. Ooh, yeah. I guess that's sort of accurate. Yeah. It, a little bit different because he's extremely talented and he's got a superb photographic memory. You can give him a full page of numbers and he can picture it, remember it, tell you what they are and potentially read them all to you backwards. That's how talented this young lad is. And sort of a smack of a zeer getting into bridge. Fancied one of the young girls at school, and he's only a young lad, goes along to learn bridge. And the, the chap taking the lessons puts all these young kids in there and they're all sitting down and he sort of gives them a little bit of a 
a heads up about what to do and he sees this young lad sitting at the table counting on his fingers under the table and he's like what are you doing and he said I'm counting my tricks and he says here's this young boy first time ever introduction to bridge and he's already thinking that far ahead counting tricks and everything rang his father up da 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 and sort of the rest is history and then he just went on to win from that time on but a couple of things there was a, a little bit of a smudge of his honesty when he was very young and that happened um, very early on in the dock and then right up to it ends Barry with him being banned for life but he goes on to BBO under his own name and no one wants to play with him so he creates an alias and then people play with him and he sits there having heart attacks about the way they play but again last year the BBO championships that they had worldwide he was the one that won it under an alias so he's still he ain't a hero he's still a bad boy still mm. doesn't listen to what he's been asked to do is don't play bridge and he is mm, okay but was it entertaining Yep. Yeah, you it enjoyed was. it? You didn't fall asleep in the middle? No, no, it was didn't quite drop, riveting didn't, in didn't, parts. Didn't drop your popcorn or anything? No. <laughs> didn't make it a scene or anything? Didn't embarrass the bridge zone? No, oh, well didn't done. do that. But Boya Brogelin came across to some as potentially unfavourable. I could hear some little in the background and some comments about why doesn't he just leave it alone when he carries on with clearing the, the game of cheaters? And that sort of astonished me because I was like, hey, he's trying to clean up the game that we all love. Why would you be saying, give it up now? Because he's doing it, he's 100% focused on cleaning up the game. Most people think he's done a good thing, actually. Maybe he was a, thought he was a bit of a zealot, but I mean, yeah. hey, he probably had to be. Otherwise, yeah. you know... He wasn't it, alone. Not much might have happened if he hadn't. Have, so, you know, so that's probably... And we were thing. talking earlier, Ish Del Monte... Was, Featured a couple of times on there because he was part of the the committee. Having he was, a look. yep, yep. There was awesome. a Kiwi connection. There is a Kiwi connection, yep. Okay, so folks, sounds like you're going to have to do that. Now you can, is it right, from the 21st? 21st of June, you can book the entire docos online. It doesn't cost very much. It's $31, and I believe you get the whole lot. So in, a bridge club could say, okay, we're going to play it on, on Friday night and come along and for $31, yep. you could have... 50 Bridge Club members watching That's it. That's right, yes. And down at the Roxy in Wellington, June the 20th. Okay. That'd be great. Sounds like it's worth watching. I'm going to have a look. And I'm pleased that he didn't come across as a hero. He certainly doesn't come across <laughs> as a hero. As mentioned, here are the winning poems. The first one is from Mark Hangartner with his rap-themed poem called Yo Lo. Yo, yo. Throwing with Omar. Sharif. With Isaac, Mizrahi, <laughs> Lohan deluded, Lohan corrupted. Behind the scenes, it's not what it seems. The cheaters got caught on the film. Yo. Vulnerability is red. Partner is blue. My slam tries are great. Five spades down two. That poem was submitted by Jack James and it's simply labelled Jeremy. And coming up next is Candace Smith's poem titled Fever. Ron and Lotan sat down at the table to play a session of bridge. 
hummed and they hawed while moving the board to tell each other the lead. But in bridge that's a sin, since we don't cheat to win, it's just not part of the game. Their titles were stripped, a ban put in place, their reputations totally shocked. But who can deny that, in spite of this crime, Lotan with no shirt is quite hot. And our final winner, Jenna Robinson, titled Thank You Partner. The stare and the glare of the partner who knows. The how could you, why did you, my lack of skill shows. There's a tear in my eye, but grown-ups don't cry. Instead, I'll look happy and try and get by. Okay, anyway, so you played a little bit of bridge on the weekend as well? Yeah, same as you, or you played a lot more than I did, but I tell you what, I drove to Auckland on Saturday, and then I went home, and then I drove back on Sunday, and tomorrow, being Wednesday, I drive up again, because I fly out to Dunedin tomorrow. Okay. So I've done a couple of Ks in the last eight days, 1,500 odd on my, on my speedo, I've been watching it. So that included, of course, my drive down to Palmy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you did do a lot of K's <laughs> for no A's. For no A's. I got some C's, though. Got some C's in Palmy and got a couple of C's up in Auckland. <laughs> but congratulations to you. You made the qualifying for the teams. Yeah, well, we had a good day on Sunday. Though. We were sort of second top qualifiers, and yep. Jenny and I were top of the datum. Everything was good. And then on Sunday, crashing back down to earth. Terrible day. Never won a match. Oh. So there you go. The bridge gods weren't with you that day. <laughs> oh, well, these things happen. Yeah, they do, don't they? So, and again, who won? So the winners of the pairs were popular win, Jetta Lou and June Lay. Yep. Uh, second were Gail Tislevol and Matthew Brown. And third were Paul Carson Winmouth playing with their own Pam Livingston. Oh, Kermit. congratulations, everybody. Yeah, yeah, so the teams were won by... You know Here we the go. you know Drum the name roll. you know the name of the team, Mariana. <laughs> Mr. Weir. Yeah, so Michael Weir's How team. How many A's did he pick up? I don't know. I haven't checked, but far too many for my liking. Right. My five dollars is looking a bit shaky. I'm still got that bet on him getting to five hundred A's, and yeah, he must be well over two hundred now. So the winners were Michael Weir and Malcolm Mayer playing with Gary Tislevol and Hugh McGann. Second was Claire Mao's team playing with Wayne Burrows, Jan Cormack, and Pamela Nisbet. Clap clap. Good day. Good. Time had by all. The pairs on the last day were Hamilton again. Gary Foydle and Anthony Hopkins. Second were Kevin Hu and Zachary Yan. Oh, well done, juniors. Well done to them. Yeah, they and, stepped up. And you, of course, were playing in the restricted pairs on the Saturday. Who took that one out, Mariana? Kevin Birch and Jan Brown. Second were Betty Kenny and Marilyn Janmout. Mm. Hey, we were talking about A's to K's. Yeah. I've got an official announcement. Oh, this will be good. Yep, you know our youngies? Well, their average age has just gone up slightly because Blair Fisher has made contact to join the race. Oh, and it didn't go well for him on the weekend. No, Jack texts me and he says, Blair has officially made contact to join the race. He just chose the wrong weekend. He certainly did. He wasn't happy when I saw him on the weekend, I can tell you. He says, oh, my God, Jeremy and Jack have just done the double. Just won the Swiss teams? And the pairs. Jeremy and Jack took out the Swiss pairs from Michael and Liz Wilcox. Third were Rochelle Pelkman and Murray Wood. This was over at Hawke's Bay. That's right. Yeah, and then, of course, the uh, open teams 
It was also won by Jeremy Fraser Hoskin and Jack James playing with Rochelle Pilkman and Murray Wood. Yes. Second were Colin Carrier, Sandra Calvert, Anna Kalmer and Richard Solomon. There was the Swiss Pairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yesterday, and that was won by Johnny Davidson and Leon Maher. Who came second in that? Jan White and Ken Bateman. That's right. Palmy again. Indeed. And there was another event being held uh, today. Oh, what was that one? There's a multi-grade pairs being held today, because I know that Blair was worried about it. Oh, I see. (laughs) So, yes, we have a third one, and I said to him, I'll get a graph going. He's probably much better at making one of them than I am, but here we go. We've got three joining. Barry did ask if there were people out there that might be interested in letting us know your chase for A's to K's. Blair Fisher, we'll have to have a look at what your A count is and we'll get the boys and we'll give you a running total next week. So we've got Blair, Jack and Jeremy, who I guess are still locked together because they played everything, so they won't have, <laughs> neither of them will have gained on the other. So they yeah, they won both of them, so that'll put them well ahead of Blair, I think, because they were only a, not very far ahead up until no. the weekend, but Blair, I think he was so third. He was third in the team, well, so he'll, he'll get a few something. for that. We will get some for that, but he'll still be, he will still have lost ground, unfortunately, for him. He'll be looking but, at the calendar. Oh, he's looking at 15A next week in Tauranga. He'll be hoping to do well there. Are you in? Yeah, we're going over there as well. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond. Phenomena. What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. Hi there. I've had a sneak preview of today's tip, Mariana. (laughs) (laughs) So let the listeners in on it, Pam. My tip today is a double of an artificial bid by the opponents is lead directing. So this is a great little tool to tell partner that you really want a suit lead when you don't have the opportunity to bid the suit yourself. A common one would be in, in a one-no-trump auction and they stamen or transfer or later in the auction if they're in a slam situation and you double one of the answers to an ASAS or a Q-bid, it's saying, partner, I really want you to lead that suit. It's lead directing and it's a great tool. It sounds but tremendous. It what could go wrong? <laughs> Yeah, it has to be used with caution because for me, if partner goes to the trouble of making a lead directing double, I'm not going to even think about what to lead. I'm just going to lead what they've asked me to lead because I try to be a good partner. So I've seen lead directing doubles made on something like Queen Jack to five in a suit. I'm not really sure how the person knows that that is a lead they need for this contract. The situations vary a little bit, just like everything in bridge. A good rule of thumb would be two honours, ace-queen, ace-jack, king-queen, would be a good rule of thumb for a lead directing double at a low level. It's a bit different at a high level. So you have to be fairly sure that that's what you want lead before you make the lead directing double. We had a couple of interesting situations witnessed at the weekend. One was a lead directing bid was made and it was redoubled and the result was 1560. That's quite so a big score, 1560. You don't see it very often. 1560 is the score, I'm told, for two diamonds redoubled, making four. So the other one I saw, which is quite interesting too, was 
a statement option. We're at we, one no trump past two clubs double, and I happen to be one no trump opener holding five clubs. A redouble, left hand opponent tried to run the spades, double, 800. You need to have a reason to do the lead directing double, and it's a great tool, but you don't want to have a cry wolf situation. If you're thinking about leading something other than what partners ask, then I'm probably partners lead directing double too often. Otherwise, it can get ugly, and you're trying to build partnership trust. That's what I reckon, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy numbers, if they were in your favour. Fifteen sixty. They're getting up towards my thirty-four hundred that I gave away, Mariana. <laughs> yeah, a little way to go. A little way to go. Yeah, you know, great tool. Use with caution. It is tempting. I understand the temptation when you've got ace, queen of clubs. Actually, your partner can often. Does it have to be led at trick one to defeat the contract? Partner can often work out your holdings just by looking at the bidding and looking at dummy. Lead directing really needs to mean something. Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. Anyway, what's happening at the lessons tonight at the Hamilton Bridge Club? We're doing our last scheduled lessons. What's of it about? Strong openings. Strong openings. Well, they'll be exciting. People have lots of points. I've actually got a favour. I'm thinking I might be a little bit tired. Are you interested in taking it? Mm, no. <laughs> um, he can't say no across here. It's live. People look at him. His face is going red and he's he's mouthing a word that starts with B. <laughs> but nah, you're right. Oh, sorry, it starts with F. No, don't, <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to say that. Anyway. So no, no, you'll be right. I'm sure you'll do a wonderful job, Mariana. I have to get up to leave for Auckland at bloody 6 o'clock in the morning because I fly out to Dunedin. Oh, of course. 9.30, yeah. but it's not really 6 o'clock. I can probably wing it if I get there by 7. It's just these bloody Aucklanders. I can't drive and I don't need anyone to have an accident and hold me up. <laughs> okay. Right. So, of course, we have got some really sad news over the weekend. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard, isn't it, when someone that um, was probably quite instrumental in a whole lot of people's bridge lives down central, particularly in mine, I mean, Palmerston North, and just went down there for the 75th and it was such a great celebration. And then to get told that my old mentor, yeah, has passed away, it's very, very sad. Yeah, we're talking about Evelyn Hurley, folks. Very sad news. We're not going to be doing this every week. Karen Martelletti and Evelyn Hurley, two of the nicest people you'd ever meet, and both given such a lot back to Bridge over the years. Yeah. Just, just awful news. Absolute dear, she was. Certainly thrilled that I'd met her in my Bridge life, that's for sure, and I was so pleased that I managed to catch up with her last week. Yeah, Michael Weir said a few words yesterday at Auckland, and he was obviously pretty upset. He said that when he started Bridge... Evelyn was was just so welcoming and and so friendly. You know, he obviously stayed with her and all sorts of stuff. So he was pretty cut up. And there must have been a lot of people feeling the same way yeah. right across the country that have had something to do with Ev, but particularly around Palmerston North area, obviously. Yeah, mm. and of course, probably going to every congress since yeah, dot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah. won't be the same without Ev. Heart goes out to Bob. He's going to find it tough. Beautiful bridge family. 
they appeared to have adopted a lot of bridge children. Yeah, they did. That's exactly what they did. And what a good job they did of it. <laughs> um, it was quite moving too because when at the 75th Tangi Takera, the local Labour MP, he made mention that he first met Bob in Bob's role up at the courts. Oh, okay. I didn't quite get what it was going to be how they actually met but uh, the question that Bob asked him was what do you want to be when you grow up and his answer was Prime Minister (laughs) and he's actually on the right track oh he is on the path The Bridge Zone and their listeners send all their condolences out to the Hurley family. We understand that there's some international travel involved we don't have any details as yet yeah our hearts are with you Bob and family we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. Hi, how are you? Good. We have an email from a listener today who has a question for you. It's Mike from Tauranga who's just started directing and had a scenario he was unsure of. So on the hand in question, East was the dealer, but North opened out of turn with a pass. It's my understanding that if East doesn't accept the pass, then it is withdrawn and the action is back on East. There are no restrictions on South bidding, but when it comes back to North, they must make a bid comparable to the withdrawn pass. The obvious bid is to pass again, but the rules for comparable bids also state that a bid is comparable if it defines a subset of the possible meaning attributable to the withdrawn call. So if we assume a simple bidding system, assuming East, after refusing to accept the pass out of turn, just passes, and South opens one heart and West passes, is it true that North can now bid two hearts, a limit bid showing six to nine with heart support, but not one spade, which would be an unlimited bid of six plus? Yes, it is true. I'll go through this quickly. First of all, there are restrictions on South's bidding in that unauthorised information does apply to South. So Law 16, which covers all the things where we get information that is not part of a legal auction, so that applies. So there's unauthorised information about knowing your partner's got a past hand before you even open the bidding. So there are some things around that will provide some things of interest at some point, though not very often. Like they can't psych or something? There's stuff about that, yes. If there's a bid that... The director will deem later may have been influenced by, you know, logical alternatives and various other things. And I'm not going to go into Law 16C. Okay. So we'll go cool. through the rest of this. Right. Then something. Then there may be a recourse for the opponents. However, when we pass out of turn, and then I think East passed, our partner opened, and it comes back to us. We are allowed to make a comparable call. A comparable call is a bid that is similar that has the same meaning, that might have a more precise meaning, but can't have a meaning that is greater than what it had originally. So in this case, a pass out of turn by North showed a hand of about zero, probably to about 11 or 12 points, maybe not 12, maybe 11, maybe 10, something in in that range, with lots of stuff in there that it may or may not be. So when North raises one heart to two hearts, the two-heart meaning falls well within the meaning of the pass, and it is a more precise meaning. So that is entirely allowable. The one-spade bid is unlimited. So whilst it, in some cases it might be six to nine or six to ten, it also, in the general bidding auction, would also be a hand that had the possibility of being substantially stronger. And therefore the range of the one spade falls well and truly outside what we would expect 
from a past hand. So that would not be a comparable call. But what about three hearts, Julie? One out, three hearts. Yeah, that's getting pretty close. In general, that one's getting a bit fudgy because of the 10 to 12 range that you might have for a limit bid. Part of it is certainly within the comparable call and that the 10 to 11 points is more precise than you would have passed. You get a situation where you're not really certain does it fall within the meaning of the comparable or not, we, as directors, we will allow the auction to continue and we will come back and check that everything is all right and that there hasn't been any undue influence about what may or may not have happened. So there is some flexibility when we're a director that we can allow the auction to continue if it is similar but not the same because we have areas that tend to be a bit of a blurred line. Okay. Well, right on the line, if you like, of what may or may not fall within um, a comparable, you know, a more precise meaning. Like, so they can bid two hearts? They can absolutely bid, bid two hearts. Yeah. Three hearts, I would be very keen to check exactly what the, the choices are yep. with a three heart bid. Okay. I guess one no trump's okay? One no trump, absolutely. Any bid that is a drop dead bid if you played it over the one heart opener, which most people don't. But. Mm. Those hands, that would have to be less than a week to opener or something else that was available. Generally, as a director, you have to find out what's available to the people so you can tell them what they can and can't do, and then the auction will continue. Now, if they chose to bid one spade, which is not comparable, then their partner would be barred for one round of the auction. Mm, okay. And again, the director would be coming back at the end of the hand to make sure that the opponents had not been disadvantaged because of the pass out of turn. So they'd be just double checking that everything was appropriate that happened. Or more likely advantaged by the enforced pass of opener, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. partners yeah, yeah. forced to pass for one round. Very yeah. often, you don't get to make another bid. So there are certainly things about that where you may end up with a choice of having to do something like bid four spades instead of one spade or something along those lines. Many of the time my partner would like to enforce a pass, Julie. Or the step in the dark, possibly. <laughs> We're not going to go there, are we? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if a partner decides to bid two clubs or something, probably where they're likely to play... Very likely. Yeah. Unauthorised information definitely applies. Uh, lead restrictions that apply, and for those people that direct but are not au okay fait with the new laws, you seriously want to look at the lead restrictions that now apply after infractions because they have definitely changed. So Law 26B, you want to have a read of that to make sure you're giving the right rulings that the bidding continues as normally as possible so we actually get a good, normal table result. Yeah, I'm just making a note of this. Judge Julie says you should pay Bergen raises. I'll just write that oh, down. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a fan, Mariana. I just had to put that in. Okay. <laughs> right. Thank you, Judge Julie. Right. I think we've got it. <laughs> right, bye. Ignore the last bit. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, you can say it if you like. I'm happy to tell everyone that I don't like Bergen Razors. <laughs> no problem.
Right. Well, thanks, Julie. Right, yeah. Bye. See ya. Bye. Just following on from the lessons talk that we had, our program director here at Free FM, his partner, Linda Sycamore, she started playing Club Bridget Morrinsville last week. She was so excited. She even got onto the podium, Barry. Oh, she did. Where did she finish? Second, he oh. said. So we were trying to find the results, but they haven't been uploaded just yet. We'll have to share that a bit later. But Linda, welcome to the family. That's a huge effort, Linda, and we've told Mike that he's destined to be a bridge widower. I think he was already resigned to it. You could potentially become tail light too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've got a cousin down and um, just learnt at New Plymouth Bridge Club, so I'm heading down there. I'll catch up with her on Thursday, Karen Luxton. She, she did the lessons this year, so she's loving it. Interested to hear how it's all going. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye for now. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.